preach in Jesus' name this morning. So what was Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. Was it Thursday? What was the 14th? Valentine's Day. All right. I'm not sure exactly how Valentine's Day started, and I don't know if it's whatever. But I like Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day helps me to learn to appreciate my wife a little more than I do sometimes. Uh, this one was a little different. <coughs> it's kind of like stay away from her as far as I could. Because she was sick and I wasn't, so it wasn't very romantic. But anyhow, I did give her a card and told her I loved her like crazy. And that wasn't that bad, but I mean that was bad enough. But I had to cook, and <coughs> you know you can only go so far on tuna sandwiches, and and uh, so I decided last night we're going to have fish and potatoes, and well. I was in the living room as much as I was in the kitchen trying to figure out what I'd do next and then the potatoes got done bef before the fish and oh boy, but anyhow we had fish and potatoes and um, but you get as old as I do you know every year is one less year going to be married uh, even though it adds one more good year so, there's a good side and a downside, I suppose, to all that. So, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about, well, maybe I should give a sermon this morning on, a sermon to encourage and strengthen the marriages here at Prairie, and anybody else that wants to listen. So, the title of the message is Pursuing a Better Marriage. And I'll just inject here to start with that, uh, believe me, I'm preaching to myself this morning as much as anybody else. So, <coughs> so question arises, is there such a thing as a perfect marriage? Uh, when you're dating and you have lots of stars in your eyes you want to have a perfect marriage you know it's like yeah you want to have a perfect marriage well I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect marriage because if there's going to be a perfect marriage it has to have two perfect people to do it and uh, I'm going to take a poll here this morning anybody here is perfect <coughs> so no we don't have perfect marriages because there's no perfect people To look at another couple and say that they have a perfect marriage is not realistic. First of all, you're comparing the inside of your marriage to the outside of their marriage. And that's not fair to them, it's not fair to yourself, and probably uh, adds to, can add some dissatisfaction to you 
It's like, you know, they got the perfect marriage, but I don't. And, you know, it's like... Uh, so we all have our marriages to work on. We certainly do. Uh, you didn't walk the day you were born. And hopefully, I don't know how old you are, but I hope for the, hopefully you're still learning. And that's the way marriage is. It doesn't matter how long you're married. You can learn something to do better. You can learn something about your spouse you never heard, never knew before. Sometimes that happens. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. And uh, so uh, the verse in Second Corinthians uh, 10 where it says that we're unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves is certainly true. Now, it's not wrong to look at somebody else and be challenged by them, but our measuring stick should not be another marriage. Our measuring stick should be what God wants in our marriage. And so that's always a challenge. There's always things that we can improve. Someone has said once the biggest room in the world is a room for improvement. And that, that applies to all of us. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, it says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, the scriptures I have this morning, not necessarily are aimed at marriage, but they are aimed at us. And whatever is aimed at us is also aimed at our marriages. And so, uh, I was caught by that word forbearing. Forbearing one another. You know what forbearing means? It means to suffer. It means to bear with forbear or endure so <clears throat> we're people we're human we do things we shouldn't do someone has said that uh, I'm not sure how it was worded but in every marriage one partner has to give more than the other now that's good for both sides to remember You may feel like you're giving more than the other person is, but the other person can say, I feel like I'm giving more. All right? So if you understand that you will be called on to give more, that helps in any kind of a relationship, particularly in marriage. It takes humility to forbear. It takes A lot of endeavoring. See, humility yields the right to be right. If you're in a marriage, sometimes there's conflict about who's right. Uh, as you get older, <clears throat> I'm finding out that there's more temptation for conflict about what happened when. Alright, they say when your memory goes, forget it. 
also discovering that when it comes to remembering things, my wife remembers things way better than I do. Absolutely way better than I do. So when there's a discussion comes up, I didn't call an argument, notice that. Uh, discussion comes up about something that happened, I might as well just like cave in right away because this is not going to go where I think it's going to go. Just about always she remembers lots better than I do. <clears throat> so if you're in a conflict between who's right, there's a flaw there to start with. So you take sides. My side and her side. Or she says, my side and his side. The flaw there is that you're both on the same side. You better be on the same side. A lot of conflict would be solved in our marriages if we understood always that we're on the same side. Now we may have difference of opinion, but we're always on the same side. And we all make mistakes. So you can learn a lot from your mistakes. I can learn a lot from my mistakes if I'm not too busy denying them. If I deny my mistakes, then I'm not learning from them. We want our marriages to move forward. We ask God to guide our footsteps in our marriage, so to speak, lead us together in our marriage. But we've got to be willing to move our feet if we're wrong. Step out and say I was wrong. And that's hard, difficult, when there's pride involved. <clears throat> I asked my wife, when it talks about being together and enjoying each other, I said, like, is it good to be silly every once in a while? And she says, yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think it's fun to be silly every once in a while. And I think back when we were first married in our first house, had you go from the kitchen to the living room, to the dining room, to the kitchen, to the living room, to the dining room, to the kitchen, to the living room, to the dining room. All right, so the doorways all the way around. So... It's like, you're it. No, I'm not. And we go round and round in circles in the living room, dining room, kitchen, and playing tag. And then I'd, she'd get me, and I'd chase her around. And then we'd stop in the dining room, go around the table, and back in the living room, and back around till we're both exhausted, silly, laughing, and just shot from being silly. Now, in our house now, I have my computer desk against, <laughs> against the door that if it was open that we could go around circles so while 
couple years ago, I said, you know, I think I should move my desk so that we could open that door and we could just, like, go around in circles. And, and she thought, well, maybe we might be a little too old for that. I don't know. <clears throat> so my desk still sits there. But thought about what was Isaac and Rebecca doing when Abimelech discovered that there's something more going on than what he knew. What's the Bible say they were doing? What word does it say? Isaac was doing what with Rebecca? What? Sporting. Sporting. All right. Isaac was sporting with Rebecca. And I, I don't know what all was happening there, but it could have been just a little silly. I don't know. There's something about when I see a couple doing a little sporting, all right, something in my, inside me just relaxes a little bit. Doesn't it? Their relationship is such that they can just have some fun. They can just <clears throat> it's been pretty serious at our house the last couple of days. My wife had just blinding headache and yeah, stuffed up sinuses and she lays on the couch with her eyes closed and um, she's listening. Love you, honey. Anyhow, <laughs> so I it's just this this somber mode it just about gets the best of me you know? so I, I walk by and I tickled her knee you just see if I get a smile out of her and she says stop that <laughs> and I said what am I doing spoiling your misery or something or what she said yeah you're spoiling my misery and I did get a smile out of her <clears throat> Mark 10 Jesus makes this statement. Mark 10, 9. We hear it in weddings all the time. And I wonder what all the implications are. Jesus said, Wherefore, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now we think, I tend to think of that as, okay, this is wedding day. God has put together. This is divorce day. Man is trying to put a son. But I thought about that. Do we go from wedding day to divorce day overnight? No. Someone has said, couples who love each other tell each other a thousand things without talking. There's a thousand things that couples can do to and for each other that are unspoken. Now understand there's a putting together the wedding day. I understand that. But the putting together, if that stops at the wedding day, then there will be a taking apart. There's a thousand ways to tell your wife that you hate her, too. 
without talking. So I was thinking of that. And I'm thinking about divorce day. So it was a thousand things that happened before divorce day that brought them to the point of divorce. Right? A thousand things. Somebody somewhere was living on the perimeter of the marriage. Somebody was. They weren't sporting with their wife. I, I don't know what all, how to describe it. <clears throat> but if we live on the perimeter, we're heading for trouble. Did I ever read the married flirts? Did I ever read that here? Parable by William Burton. The married flirts. Now, I like this. We were on our 40th wedding anniversary and we stopped at Bonner's Ferry and they asked me to preach. And so I said, I know after church everybody's going to ask me, what are you here for? And I said, this parable is going to tell you why we are here. We are flirting our way to California and back for three weeks. The married flirts. Now I was reading in the daily paper, and Keturah entered my room, and she spake unto me, saying, My Lord, and I answered, Trouble me not, for I am reading the news. And she said, Understandest thou what thou readest? I answered, Verily I do not. For I was reading that a married man had been flirting with the wife of another man. And she answered, what is the mystery about that? And I said, I understand neither the why nor the how. And she said, I'll show thee. It cometh to pass on this wise. There sitteth a man reading his paper, and there walketh past him in the park or on the trolley a comely lady, and she droppeth her handkerchief quite by accident, even like this. And she walked past my chair, and her skirts brushed my knees, so that I looked up, and behold, as she passed, there fluttered to the ground a kerchief. And I picked it up, and passed it to her, and I said, Madam, permit me. And she said, That was very well done, Safed, my lord. And now thou must look about in the car, and see that there is no other seat save beside thee, and so must thou move over. And I did even so, and the chair wherein I sat was wide, so that there was room for us both, neither sat we quite so close as in the trolley. And she said, Now must thou lend me thy paper, and I must pretend to read it. And I did even as she said. Then she sat beside me and read the paper, yea, and I read also. Nevertheless, in twenty minutes, we had managed to talk of Browning and the art and the weather and our souls and the sad condition of married life and had told each other where we lived and had discovered a concert which we were both to attend and I played the game as Keturah taught me. And she said, How dost thou like it, Safed? And I said, It's lots of fun. Let us do thus often. 
And she said, Saphid, would it be half so much fun to flirt with any other woman? And I said, Oh, thou fairest and finest of all the daughters of Eve, if ever I desire to flirt, may God send thee to me to flirt with. For with thee only would I thus behave and not feel like a condemned fool. Whereas when I flirt with thee, I feel like a very wise woman. And Petora said, Safe it, my Lord, I have something to say. And I said, Keturah, say on. And she said, O Saphid, my Lord, thou hast given good advice to many people, but nothing thou hast ever said to the sons and daughters of men is more important than this. Speak to the men and women who are married, who feel the tug and grind and monotony of daily life, and who have grown commonplace to each other. And say to them, Put on your beautiful garments now and then, and flirt a little with each other. Yea, let not the romance die out of your married life, lest ye, lest ye weary of each other, and Satan set a snare at your feet. Say unto them that if they go at it aright, it is quite as much fun to flirt with each other as with other people, and much safer. And I said, Keturah, thou hast spoken words of wisdom. It would be for the salvation of thousands of fool women and men who are bigger fools or worse if they heeded thy words. And I said unto Keturah that I would take the message which she whispered in my ear and I would proclaim it from the housetops. Yea, and thus shall some of the divorce courts be compelled to take a vacation. Corinthians 13, 4 and 5 says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave, behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. One lady said, When I am frustrated with my husband and feel like giving up on us, I have two choices. I can choose love and work on my marriage. Or I can choose love and work on my marriage. I like that. Someone said to give up on your marriage because love has died is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Not the car's fault. You didn't put enough gas into it. You didn't put resources in to make it work. So why ditch the car if it's out of gas? Why ditch a marriage? <clears throat> and I got thinking about that. Pretty sobering thought. So, your marriage, what's a gas tank look like? The pool? 
towards an empty. Half full. You see, marriage takes resources. I don't like putting gas in my car. You know why? Because that thing keeps going around. As long as it keeps going around and around and around, it's going to take more from me to pay the person at the, at, at the desk. I don't like giving up my resources to fill my car up with gas. But I understand I am going to get nowhere without, without putting my hard-earned cash on the line to get my car filled up. It ain't going to run without me putting something into it. Some people say, well, there's nothing left in our marriage. Nothing left. I've heard that. In fact, just recently, I got about half scared to death. Somebody that I thought had a very solid marriage. The wife said, nothing left. Well, love is what's left when you take selfishness out of marriage. So if you want something left in your marriage, if you want to take something out, love is what's left when you take selfishness out of marriage. Someone told me a long, long time ago, and I bless whoever it was, that there's poisonous words that should not be used in a marriage. And those are never, always, continually, forever. They're poisonous. You never do this. You are continually doing that. You forever doing this, that, or the other. You never do. You're always. Those are poisonous words in a marriage. Don't use them. Always is a long time. Forever is longer yet. Those are poisonous words. Proverbs 31.10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Thank the Lord every day for a godly spouse that you can absolutely trust. Not one day in my entire marriage did I ever begin to doubt, even begin to doubt. The commitment of my wife to me. Not one time. The Bible says her value is above measure. You can't measure that. Every once in a while I go to Walmart and it's like, wow. If I had to look at that across the table, like green and pink hair and the, nose, the ring in the nose or something, like what would that be like to look at that across the table every meal? And every once in a while, I go to Walmart and I see a godly lady at Walmart. It's like, whew, 
What a breath of fresh air. I met two of them the other day. I said, so, so where are you from? I said, you from Goodhue? No, we're from Iowa. It's like, wow, what a breath of fresh air in Walmart. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another, with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Now that is a beautiful description of a, of a Christian serving God. But, like I've said over this pulpit before, I believe that whatever God asks one person to do, you put multiple people into that equation, and it, it makes it tremendously more powerful. Simply because, if two or three people, we're talking about marriage this morning, if two people are doing something, one gets kind of down and out a little bit. The other can encourage them on. You know, you know what I mean. So when one's down, the other can be up, and and you know, it's it's it's. I'm not trying to minimize being single. I'm simply saying that something about having somebody by your side, whether it's marriage or whether it's a friend or whatever, it, it goes a long way. And. It is referring to the church here. But whatever happens in church must start where? At home, right? Are you going to get something at church you don't have at home? Unlikely. Very unlikely. Probably not going to happen. How we behave at home is probably the way we will <clears throat> behave at church. The goal of marriage is not necessarily to always think alike, but to think together. Okay, you might not always think alike, but you think together. You explore together. What should we do together? How do we handle this? What are you going to do with your teenage daughter or son? Sorry for being so blunt. That's not, I, I'm very, I love teenagers, you know I do, and everybody else. But having teenagers in the house is different than having from six on down. There's a lot of challenges to a marriage when your children are in teenage years. Now, if you didn't have that, praise the Lord, I don't know, but I'll just be honest enough that. I just be honest enough to say that's the way it was at our house. Um, yeah. Meeting them on an adult level and helping to make decisions and helping them make right decisions when they really don't want to make what you think is a good decision, it can put stress on the marriage. But for me, sometimes it's hard to get a bigger vision 
than what this marriage thing is all about. All right, so it, it, we we can get so so tunnel vision like marriage is about if I'm happy and my wife's happy and the family's happy, that's it. All right, we got it together. Is that just did did Christ? Did God institute marriage just so that two people in a family could be happy? Well, what about the rest of the people in the world? Who's going to show the world around, those unsaved, what true Christianity is all about in shoe leather, in a marriage? Who's going to do it if we don't? So there's way broader implications. You know, they say the best thing a man can do for his children is love his wife. Well, that's the best thing a man can do for his community, too. That's the best thing a man can do for his church. That's the best thing a man can do for his nation. Right? Entire, the entire kingdom of God is enhanced or brought, increased or brought down by one marriage at a time. So, the mission of marriage, is that all just inside the four walls of your house? Is that what I think of? Or do I think of it as an opportunity to, the sh to show the world what Mark was talking about this morning. To show a confused, ungodly nation, culture, what real living is all about. It is no It's no uh, it's not just perchance that we see things happening in their culture as they have. There's things that have deteriorated and fallen apart previous to all this. All right, that just didn't happen out of the clear blue sky by a stroke of lightning. So sure, there is benefits. There are blessings. There is incredible amounts of reward in having a godly Christian marriage. But let's not just get hung up on that. Let's do it for the glory of God for everybody that's, that witnesses it. That it could draw other men and women to Christ. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And I researched that word perfectness. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. That word perfectness means completeness, mental or moral. 
there's a dynamic that reaches its fingers into our whole entire life. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, our relationship with, or not necessarily relationship, our embracing of either moral or immoral things have to do with our love for God. Someone says, the best time to love with your whole heart is always now. This moment, because no breath beyond the present moment is promised. And I think of that. Am I living today? If God decided to take my wife tomorrow, am I living today that I don't have regrets tomorrow? Someone also says, and I'll close with this, for the ladies, sisters, if he makes you laugh, kisses your forehead, says he's sorry, makes an effort, holds your hand, works hard, attempts to understand you, then, believe it or not, he is more perfect than you probably realize. And that works the other way around. Sometimes we wish maybe our spouse is more perfect. But they're probably more perfect than we realize. May God help us to strengthen our marriages for His glory.